love these days of the Christmas season because it's just feast after feast after feast. And today we celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany, which probably at best is misunderstood by most Catholics. And as I was kind of praying over this, a few questions came to me concerning this group of, of guys, the Magi, right? Three questions are this. Who are they? Where did they come from? And how many were there? And let's start with the last question first. How many were there? Three. He's re- you know, he answers a lot. Three is wrong, Michael, sorry. It might be, it may, it may be right. We don't know. The gospel does not say how many there were. Why do we assume three? Because of the gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? <clears throat> but nowhere does it say that there were three. Second, they were not kings. So this, this song we're probably going to sing sometime during the Mass, We Three Kings, is all wrong. They were more like sages or a combination of philosophers and astrologers. They were intelligent men. In fact, one of my priest friends referred to them as maybe a a band of roaming college professors. (laughs) And however many there were, they came from the east. We know that. There's even probably Persia. There's a a non-Christian first century writing that speaks of Persian scientists who came to Jerusalem right around the time of the Christ child being born. Uh, So maybe kind of parallel with Matthew's gospel that we hear today. Why gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Gold is pretty easy. Gold is always nice. Everybody's always loved gold. Gold's always been valuable. In the ancient world, gold was seen as the most, like, perfect gift for kings. So kingship. Frankincense is a type of incense. There's many types. It's the natural, most natural form of incense. What does that tell us? It tells us that incense was only used for divinity. In the ancient world, it was only used for, for the gods. So it would be used in the pagan Roman temples, burned to the statues of their idols. It was used in, in Jerusalem, in the Holy of Holies. Incense was always symbolic of divinity. And finally, myrrh. Myrrh in the ancient world was always associated with death. Always. And so these three gifts kind of give us an in to who Jesus is. And that is, he's a king, he's God, and he was born to die. From the very moment of his birth, he was born to die. Now we, are, we all are born and we all die, but what this gift of myrrh is saying is that there will be something very significant about this child's later on death. Finally, the Magi made their way by a star. I think if you ask the, you know, the modern, enlightened, scientific, atheistic scientist, you know, he said, oh yeah, they followed this, they saw this star, they followed the star to the Christ child. You know, that person would be like, right, okay, okay. But this is a wonderful place where science and the faith collide in a good way. Science has found that around the time of Christ's birth, so anywhere from 7 B.C. to about 4 B.C., there was several major celestial events. One of them was a comet. We know that. The second one was a a supernova, which I'm, I'm a theologian, not a scientist, but I think that's an exploding star. 
And third, which is most likely and, and holds the most weight, is that Jupiter and Saturn came into alignment. And when that happened, they were one degree of separation. That would have produced an extremely large, bright star that would have been very uncommon in the night sky. The other thing that's kind of interesting is that the Magi say, we, they said, we saw the star at its rising. What's interesting about Jupiter and Saturn is that they are not only in the night sky, they also appear at dusk and dawn. So one of the few stars that would be there, and it would have been brilliantly bright. Now, if you're a sage, an astrologer, and a philosopher searching out the truth, and you see this celestial event, it might actually cause you to maybe say something's happening. And so again, giving credence to these biblical stories that they're not just myths. They really happened. Now, all of this is great, but what struck, that's all kind of catechesis. What really struck me as I prayed through this is the line where it said, they returned home by another way. You see, once the Magi met Jesus, they were changed. They couldn't go back the way they came. Something was different in their lives. And not just for a little while, but permanently. When you truly encounter God, your life will change. It has to. One of my favorite ways in which you see this is St. Peter. And I think I've spoken on this before, but... In John chapter 6, Peter, right, everybody's leaving Jesus because of the teaching on the Eucharist. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And everybody's like, whoa, this is crazy. And Jesus doesn't throw up the time out, you know, like, hey, I'm kidding. It's a joke. He lets them go. And then he turns to Peter and the apostles. He says, what are you guys going to do? And this line by Peter, he says, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to know and to believe that you're God. Peter's saying, Jesus, I can't go anywhere else. Now that I know who you are, to turn my back on you would be to turn my back on life itself. I can't leave. Even if I wanted to, I can't. I'm stuck with you because of who you are. Jesus changes people. He changed me immensely. Some of you might be sitting there like, really? (laughs) He really did. From 20 years ago to here, I'm a completely different person. I was an idiot back then. I still am an idiot. I, you know, but I, but I love the Lord. I make, I, I have sin. I make mistakes, but my course is set. And quite honestly, I got nowhere else to go. I'm with him. I'm not going to leave him. I can't. Because he changed me. When you look for him, you will find him. But here's the catch that the Magi teach us. You got to look. You got to search. How did they do it? They did it by looking at the ancient scrolls. They studied the skies, the sages of old. What does this look like for us? Get ready. Reading the Bible. If there is anything that we Catholics are terrible at doing, it is reading the Bible. We're awful at it. You can't encounter Christ unless you encounter Him in His Word. 
St. Jerome said that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Jesus Christ. We must know the Scripture so as to know Him. And you might say, well, Father, I come to Sunday Mass. If you come to Sunday Mass every Sunday for three years, you'll have read 14% of the Bible. And how many of you are actually paying attention? Let's be honest. Do you know Him? Are you looking for Him? Why for so many of us does the spiritual life never really get off the ground? I think it's because we get caught up in our jobs, school activities, families, friendships, fashion, day-to-day anxieties. And because of that, we never look. We never study. We never take time to see where God is in our lives. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you read the Bible daily? Just let that sit in you. How many of you read the Bible daily? Because the scriptures are the primary way we encounter the living God. It's no good having a map if you never plan to use it. You'll just get lost. The Magi show us that faith is so much more than just believing. You gotta do something. You gotta search for him. And when you find him, you'll change. All of us in this church have done things we're not proud of, me included. But Jesus wants to change that. He wants you to change your life. And you might say, well, I'm pretty good. God will never say, ah, you're pretty good. God is perfect. He doesn't want pretty good Catholics. He wants perfect Catholics. As C.S. Lewis said, he is easy to please, but impossible to satisfy. He loves every little thing that you do in your life of faith. But he is never going to sit back and say, oh, okay, you've reached the top. You're good. Put it around Coos control. He will never say that. He's going to constantly say, let's go a little further. Let's take one more step. Let's do this. Let's do that. On this Feast of the Epiphany... Let us take the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Let us heed his words. He says this, speaking in the voice of Almighty God. I know well the plans I have in mind for you. Plans for your welfare, not for your woe. So as to give you a future of hope. When you come to me, when you pray to me, I will listen to you. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me. And then I will change your life. This morning, we take the Magi as our guide and not walk out of this church and return to our lives the usual way we go. But after we encounter him here, as the Magi did 2,000 years ago, and we lay at this altar the best of what we have, you know, the the Magi didn't lay it at the Christ child crib like pewter. They laid gold. They didn't lay some cheap hypoallergenic incense. They laid the most beautiful natural type. They gave the best of what they have. Do we give the best of who we are? So when you encounter him today and you walk out of this church, my prayer for you is you, like the Magi, will return to your lives by a different way.